0: Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett, you're listening to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, head over to yesodblocks.com, where you can get access to a whole wide array of content of this nature, much more extensive, and I always recommend doing that, because even though this series, which is all about taking halacha of the Shulchan Aruch, trying to dig down to the underlying Kabbalah principles, the Machshava principles, so that halacha actually can come to life and be used, and you can actually experience Hashem, through the halacha that you're actually living, uh, it's still not a substitute for re- real, integrated, and extensive learning of Torah. That is the underlying framework, the big background, all the principles, incrementally, properly organized, and piece by piece over time. And there's just no way to substitute that because these are the not the kinds of things you can just hear once in a while and then get a little bit of a burst of inspiration. The whole point of Yesod Blocks and this series, as an example, but really everything that we're trying to do at yesodblocks.com is about helping people to incrementally become more and more and more clear, truth-oriented, deep-seeing, accurately expressing Hashem concepts and accurately uh, experiencing them. And so inspiration is kind of like this this um, uh, permutation of the Das Tovarah distortion, that the eight Das, which we've discussed many times already in this series, eight gives us the capacity to uh, develop perceptions, lenses of reality that are a function of our habit and preference. And so then inspiration is just part of that landscape because what inspiration seems to be is that we have a sort of like a set of habituated perceptions of something. And then when we encounter something which is radically different from the perceptions that we're already acclimated to, it creates this energizing experience where we're like, oh wow, that's different, that's new, that's what I've been looking for, that's the answer. And it's because we feel those feelings because we've been embedded in our perceptions uh, that are habituated for, for such a significant period of time that when we see something that's radically different it feels like it's it's knocking us out of our stagnant uh, whatever particular stagnant dynamic we've been in as a result of those uh, embedded perceptions. And so then we feel like, wow, because that's so different, and then it then shoves us uh, in a new direction. And that's, that's something which is uh, uh, it's definitely a positive thing, but the the galvanizing energy that comes from that, that we call inspiration, is actually a temporary effect. In other words, it's motivated or, or fueled by contrast. An analogy for that is the world of romance and the dynamic of the newness of a new relationship. When you go from being alone and single for some period of time, and then you suddenly encounter somebody who wants to be with you and who you want to be with, so then that phase is essentially, there's two things happening. One, there is the truth of the situation, which is that you are now creating a bond. You're learning each other, you're getting closer, you're developing a deeper and deeper state of connection, but at the same time, there's also a a contextual, uh, almost like a wrinkle of the situation, like a uh, a coincidental accompanying aspect, which is that you're going from being alone, which is very extreme and difficult, to suddenly being validated and seen and heard and received, which is the the polar opposite of being alone. And so, the energizing effect from that contrast is extremely overwhelming. It's intoxicating. That's what we experience as the intoxication of romance. And so um, there's a way to actually then, I'm using the word romance there simply to, to reference the the first phase of a relationship, which is characterized by two things, like I just said, learning each other, but also with this contrasting energy, uh, or contrasted energy of togetherness in, in, in opposition to what was there before. And so that kind of dynamic, that is again, that's the eta das tendency, it's et et-a-da- das dynamic, because what's happening there is you have perceptions of yourself as being alone, and you acclimate to them, you adapt to them, you accept them, and you become more and more and more used to being alone in a certain way with all of the pain that uh, embodies and then you suddenly meet somebody who seems like you're not going to be alone anymore and so the shock to your embedded uh, acclimated perceptions creates this shift in your energy and your excitement and it suddenly is ignited and you feel like things are changing, and that's true, things are changing. But that part of it is often reactive. In other words, that's there's there's this the looking at what was versus now what is, and getting excited about that. And that part's going to fade because at some point, pretty soon, as you get used to the new situation of being with somebody, so then you will uh, that part that part will fade away, and this will become your new das tovara acclimated perception, where now you are habituated to being with this person, and that's how we often start taking our loved one for granted. And, and then struggling to reinvigorate uh, the relationship with passion and life. And so the key to that to solving that problem is to not use that type of, of method or not to let the etzadas really define how our relationships evolve and are developed. And so what we want to do is actually really constantly explore our partner, constantly learn them more deeply, constantly search for the things that we haven't seen, constantly trying to find areas within ourselves and within the other that are difficult to approach, difficult to discuss, difficult to understand, so that way we can really get deeper and deeper on an ongoing basis. And that's something which we also need to do with ourselves and with the Torah, with Hashem, really. And so the the idea of kind of hearing an inspirational thought, a Dvar Torah, a little spark, of Torah is not something which is bad, you know, God forbid that we should say that romance is bad, the newness, not. not, we're not saying it's bad, we're saying you have to understand the nature of it, and recognize that it's a function of the Eitz of how we're currently structured, that we have these habituated perceptions, and then we have to try to do the real work that gets past the contrast reactivity that that evolves or that emanates from these, these perceptual dynamics, and instead to actually get real knowledge of the significant other, whether it's with our spouses, or with our children, or with our friendships, but even more importantly with Torah and with Hashem, uh, because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting a little bit of a deeper idea from this, you know, this series of what's going on underneath. Like I'm sharing now all these concepts about the Itzadas. Um but you kind of really need to learn that at a deeper level with all of the parts that, that's what exploring Hashem means. And so that's what I constantly am recommending and pushing because there's no shortcuts with Hashem. There's no shortcuts with Torah. There's only Genuine uh, accumulating knowledge, and so yesodblocks.com, That's really where we have all these different series on the site to really that are all organized and coherent, integrated uh, concepts properly organized in a way that really makes the Torah operate. So I encourage everyone to go over there, head head over there and check that out. We also have a WhatsApp uh, portal over there, so you can reach out to me directly with any questions about this episode or other episodes. And in this particular episode, we're talking still in Siman Memchet, which is a very short Siman. We only have one halacha to finish here. And this siman uh, is, it, it essentially revolves around some, again, where it's, it, or, the way Orachayim is structured is kind of going through your day somewhat, uh, and then kind of like uh, different parts of the year also, different parts of the week, Shabbos, so we're going to get to all those things as we go, but we're in the fairly early part of Orachayim, and so this the, the, this particular siman is talking about some sukim different parts of the Torah that we recite, every morning, and we recite them because we no longer can actually bring closifying offerings, what we call in Hebrew korbanot, people call them in English often sacrifices. We can't bring those in the, in the base of Mikdash, in the temple, anymore because it was destroyed. And so the whole point of the base of Mikdash was it was a construct designed to allow us to incrementally essentially what I was just describing, incrementally know Hashem more and more deeply so that we could become more and more and more receptive of Hashem's consciousness within us and actually experience ourselves as aspects of Hashem's self more fully, because that's who we all are. Each of us is an aspect of Hashem's self. And so we are trying to tap into that more deeply. And again, that all can be explained much more and needs to be explained much more at length in the Kabbalah Basics series at And so the idea here is that where we we used to have this mechanism. The base of Mikdash was basically designed to help us to incrementally achieve that level of knowledge of Hashem, and that was because we failed to achieve that at Har Sinai when Hashem revealed Himself, or basically ripped open all of existence so we could experientially encounter the truth of who we are. So then, at the end of that, we were traumatized by that experience because we weren't really re- we weren't really ready for it. And so we spent the next uh, you know few, the next thousand years trying to get more and more and more ready for that so we could finish that story and receive Hashem fully so we could each become essentially a, what's called a chariot of Hashem's self in the world and manifest Hashem's self through our behavior, through our thoughts, through our actions and be divine beings that are plugged into the divine source, living out our lives as aspects of Hashem in ways that bring more and more and more uh, divine energy, divine light, divine connection, well, we, and these again are all very deep concepts, all Kabbalah basics uh, concepts that, that are explained there. Um, and so. We then lost the of vectors because we failed to do that effectively, and so then uh, we now are left only with like these these vestiges of that. And so tefillah uh, is essentially the underlying mechanism of all uh, Torah activities that we do, including the bringing of korbanos of offerings. And so what what the sages of the Talmud, what Chazal did, is they linked the korbanos to tefillah to the process of tefillah. In other words, they basically said, okay, well, every mitzvah that you do, every every divine action that you take so there's there's two aspects to it or even more than two but we'll start with just two there's the physical action that you do and then there's the underlying internal alignment that the action generates between you and hashem and so they then said, okay, let's let's write up words and paragraphs and ideas in, in literary form that capture the dynamic of alignment, and that way you can say those words every day and you can achieve daily alignment with Hashem. They, they set it up to do three times a day, and so we do three three times a day. We align ourselves with Hashem using these tools that they wrote up, and they connected those tools to the offerings of the Beis Amikdash because those offerings are actually intrinsically part of the process of alignment in a, in a very specific, specific sense that actually we're not going to be able to really fully explain it here because that would require us to explain the whole concept of offerings much more extensively, which we're not really going to do now, although that will be the topic of this week's Chumash Cast in the, in, as we're doing Parshas Vayikra in the Chumash Cast this week. Um, and so, again, that's available at isodblocks.com. So the particular halacha that's actually here, what it says now, Seif Aleph, the first halacha and last halacha in Siman Memchet, section 48, says, So, uh, there are special psukim in the Torah that reference the korban, the offering that we bring on Shabbos. That's special for Shabbos because there, there was every day there was there were just kind of like we call them regular offerings that were brought in the base of Mekdash, and on Shabbos there was a special one that was brought called called the korban musaf of Shabbos. And so we say, on Shabbos, we say the psukim of the Torah uh, also to reference that because we want to we wanna talk about the korbanos when we're starting the tefillah process in the beginning of the day. We want to talk about the korbanos of the day. So the previous halacha we discussed saying the psukim of what's called the korban tamid, which is the the ongoing uh, korban that's brought every day, twice a day. So we say those psukim every day as well because it's a daily offering. But then on Shabbos we say the psukim of the Shabbos offering to try to access the, the meaning of that uh, that korban on Shabbos and then he adds lo Chodesh. we do not say uh, these psukim for the korban of Rosh Chodesh tov korma b'suke uh, because on Rosh Chodesh and on Yom Tov we actually end up reading these psukim uh, publicly because on those days on Rosh Chodesh and on Yom Tov we we actually read from the Torah publicly to the whole group uh, who are in the synagogue in Shol and so then um, we actually read those psukim about the cor- special korbanos Special offerings of uh, Rosh Chodesh and Yom Tov. So that's why you don't say them. You don't have to say them individually. Um, And so the uh, that's basically the idea here. In other words, we're trying to access the the korbanos concepts. And in this particular case, we have special korbanos for Rosh Chodesh and for Shabbos and for Yom Tov. I'm not going to really go too deeply right now into what that's talking about in terms of Rosh Chodesh. And Shabbos and Yom Tov. The reason is because each of these are what's—they're part of the what's called the Mikra Kodesh, the Moadim. These are especially designated times. They're—they're dedicated to a particular purpose. There's a particular energy to Rosh Chodesh, sort of like a perceptual shift. You're supposed to try to access on Rosh Chodesh. And similarly, there's also—it's also a Mikra Kodesh on Yom Tov, whether it's Pesach or it's Sukkot or it's uh, or it's Shavuot or any 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 Yom Tov. Like that, they each have their own special korbanos, their special offerings that are brought, and we're basically trying to. Those korbanos are are in are in sync with the underlying theme, the special purpose of the time period. And basically, the idea there is that as we, as our consciousness is linked to our body, our consciousness, yourself, your neshama, is actually timeless and spaceless. It's outside of the flow of time and space. You might actually feel that if you if you pay close attention to to the fact that, you know, the phenomenon of what it's like to look out through your eyes, you'll sense it's always been me looking out through my eyes. Now, the eyes have changed, the thoughts have changed, my self-image has changed, how I perceive myself, but in terms of the experience of looking out through these eyes, it's always been the same me doing that. That's that me, that's the concept, the intangible, uh, um, um, it's impossible to, what's the, ineffable, there we go, intangible, ineffable, Consciousness, nishama self that you are. So it never changes. You're timeless and spaceless. spaceless. And in fact, tefillah and, and meditation, which is very closely related activities, and so many different approaches that have to do with, with really deep, true tefillah, is about pulling ourselves out of the flow of time so that way we can actually renew ourselves and come back into the flow of time and reconnect with our bodies and with the tools that are part of the body that Hashem gave us, and then actually re-engage with the universe within the flow of time again and try to make you know more change and bring more consciousness, more conscious choices into the flow of existence. And so the uh the the moadim the mikrai kodesh these are special time periods At when we're within the flow of time we want to also access specially designated time periods to help us to act to we'll call it to, to cure or to straighten out or to reorient ourselves towards the flow of space and time towards the the flow of this universe and that's uh that's in contrast again to the dynamics of the eight sadas the tends to make us more and more and more embedded in the universe, in the flow of time and space, to over-identify ourselves with our physical bodies, with our thoughts, with our habits. And then it's very hard for us to actually separate ourselves from that and see ourselves for what we are that's actually beyond that. And so each of the Moadim, each of the Chagim, each of the Yom Tovs, each of the time, even even Shabbos, and every day of the week, there's different energies to each day and to each each special time and by energy i mean there's a different aura or a different sense or a different feel there's no real word for that in english but it's basically this you can call it a vibe if you want like when you go through that time and you access the thoughts that are associated with it when you access the thoughts that are associated with pesach and you eat things and do things that are pesach related that are about activating those perceptions you're now Undoing, or you're, you're updating your software. You're undoing the damage of the das, You're pulling yourself out of the narrow space, the mitzrayim, the Mitzarim, the narrow space of of your mind, of the of of the of the world, and of essentially the, again a, a result of the etzadas. And you're rising above that to be able to see things from a higher place, from a broader outlook. And that's again going in the direction of alignment to leave the flow of space and time somewhat. So you're you're trying to essentially uplift your perception, your understanding, your experience of the flow of the physical world, and you're using the Pesach theme to do that, and that's what every time period is about, trying to essentially undo this damage and these distortions to then get to a higher state and, and continue to move through space and time from a place of active conscious connection to your inner self, to Hashem, while also living within the physical world as you as you move. So that's essentially, again, these are, when you say these psukim that's what you're supposed to be trying to access, these kinds of thoughts, and I still recommend, obviously, learning more about the Korbanos and reading the psukim more, and it's very important to know the Chumash. If you're going to say these psukim every day, it really gives it a lot more depth and a lot more impact, but as a general concept, that's really what the Siman is about, and we're going to, we're going to uh, stop with that and pick up with Iman Mem Tet uh, in the next episode. So thanks again for, so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoy that. Check us out at yoursoblocks.com, and we're looking forward to having you join us in the next episode.